Welcome to the New York State Bar Association's Miranda Warnings. For all things legal and some that aren't, I'm Dave Miranda, past president of the New York State Bar Association and partner at the intellectual property law firm of Hessel and Rothenberg, Farley and Massidi. Our guests today are Leslie Rosenthal and Hank Greenberg. And we have a special edition today about the rule of law. Thank you both for being here. You're welcome. Great to be here. Morning, Dave. Good morning, Leslie. Let me introduce Leslie Rosenthal. She's the Chief Operating Officer at the Juilliard School. She's a visiting professor on the rule of law at Harvard Law School. She's the author of Good Counsel, uh, Meeting the Legal Needs of Nonprofits. And she's the president of the New York Bar Foundation, which is the charitable arm of the New York State Bar Association. Leslie truly is a, a Renaissance woman uh, of varied uh, interest and expertise, and we are very pleased to have you, Leslie, on talking about the rule of law. Thank you, Dave. Our co-panelist is Hank Greenberg, a partner at Greenberg Traug. He served in many branches of state government prior to working at Greenberg Traug, including uh, working in the executive branch, working for the attorney general, and uh, significantly was uh, an assistant U.S. attorney for the Northern District of New York in the 1990s. Hank will also uh, become president of the New York State Bar Association in June of 2019. Hank, thank you also for being here today to talk about the rule of law. It seems like uh, this issue is an issue that we can't discuss soon enough. Um, tell me just so we know where, where the two of you stand, is the rule of law important or overrated? Leslie, important or overrated? The rule of law, in my view, is a cornerstone of our democracy. It's a set of uh, constraints that keeps us free. Um, we should uh, really work on some, defining some terms here. Uh, rule of law, in, in my view, is an essential concept that makes everyone uh, in a society subject to the same set of rules, principles, and guidelines. Um, it's a norm. It's not a law itself. Um, and uh, in John Adams's famous term from the uh, Massachusetts Constitution of 1780, it is the uh, concept that ours is a government of laws and not of men. Just getting into that, I, I wanted to, you know, we talk about our founding fathers. They called for us to be a nation of laws, not of men or women, because of their fears of the kings and queens that place themselves above the law. So that's a great concept, but what does that mean for the purposes of our, our democracy? Um, I uh, feel like there's some significant markers of a rule of law nation, um, constraints on government powers as you adverted to, so that um, the uh, uh, people in charge are not themselves above the law. Um, and that implies a, sort of a variety of other uh, concepts and constraints as well, constraints on conflicts of interest and corruption, um, a requirement of open government where uh, data is freely available, um, data is collected by the government as an honest broker and disseminated to uh, others, scientists, uh, lawyers, uh, and others who may be able to uh, rely upon uh, data and facts uh, in order to make uh, good policy decisions or put forth uh, matters to voters who can then uh, themselves uh, draw um, proper conclusions. Um, I think it's important that we consider fundamental rights, a respect for the um, rights and equality of all people within uh, our society to be an important part of the rule of law so that it's not just 
that we all follow the same laws, but the laws themselves are fundamentally fair and just. I'll stop there for now because I know um, Hank has a lot to yeah, say. But, um, and those let, are, for me, the underpinnings. That, I mean, I think that's a great uh, overview of it. But I guess the question I have is what, why is it important that we have, that we follow laws instead of the you know rulings of a, of a king or, or a queen, Hank? Well, where law ends, tyranny begins. So said John Locke in the 17th century. And I think everything you need to know about our country, our institutions, our culture, even our economy is wrapped up in this concept that we describe as freedom under rule of law. Um, it's more than an aspiration. It's more than mere words. It is a living, breathing reality in our courts, in our judiciary, in our legislative chambers. The notion that no one is above the law, that everyone is accountable. That's the bedrock. That's the synchronon of American society and democracy. When we talk about uh, justice in our society, we talk about uh, certainly about uh, prosecution of, of crimes. And um, I recall uh, some statements that were made in a private gathering when President Obama gathered um, all of the new U.S. attorneys uh, together uh, to give them, to welcome them as U.S. attorneys. Um, and he said to them that they owed no allegiance to him, uh, but they owed their allegiance to the citizens of this country. Uh, today we're, we see a president that's criticizing the Justice Department for uh, prosecuting uh, Congress uh, people that are uh, of his own party. Um, can you uh, tell me, Hank, you worked as a U.S. attorney. What? What kind of thought process goes into a prosecutor bringing, prosecuting uh, crimes, and what type of thought process should go into a prosecutor prosecuting crimes? Well, at the heart of the rule of law is the idea that the criminal justice system is administered apolitically, uh, that a person's politics, their religious beliefs, their uh, race, creed, or color, all of that is irrelevant to a prosecutor who is making a judgment based on the facts and the law as to whether to proceed with a criminal case. So I, I, the, the, the statement that uh, President Obama made to the U.S. attorneys when they were gathered, that kind of statement has been made by presidents and attorney generals of all political parties. It's not a partisan issue. The idea of insulating a prosecutor from um, politics and making their decision. Again, that's not a mere ideal. That's the reality of ethical criminal prosecutors since the dawn of our country. Uh, I was a public corruption prosecutor. I recall one case that I had when I was a prosecutor. My office charged a powerful political party chairman, he happened to be a Democrat, with committing certain crimes. Well, I was a registered Democrat. My immediate supervisor, who I investigated and prosecuted the case with. He was a Democrat. The occupant of the White House at the time was a Democrat. It was irrelevant. It, it never came into our thought processes, if we ever even articulated the notion that that was a relevant consideration in deciding whether to prosecute. It would have been a career-ending uh, episode. It, you know, so uh, the notion that prosecutors should take into account the political affiliation of someone they may be charging with a crime is anathema to American government. It doesn't make a difference 
again, who the president is or what the party is. It, it, it is utterly alien to who we are as a people and our history. Do you mind if I yeah, jump in there and first uh, say to Hank, and thank you for your service to our nation. I think that um, it's such a high calling to dedicate yourself to the public service as a U.S. attorney, and um, uh, I'm grateful for you keeping all of us safe from public corruption and more. Um, I would just add that... Um, our uh, democracy is a very rich tapestry of rule of law um, protections. Um, I believe deeply in the constitutional system that we have, and I would uh, just add to your eloquent statement about the independence of prosecutors from uh, the executive branch, that we also have uh, independence of judiciary, uh, uh, the executive branch and the legislature, each one from another, which is guaranteed uh, not just in our federal constitution, but also in our state constitution, which I know uh, you are uh, more intimately familiar with, Hank, than just about anybody else uh, I know, um, but our state uh, government and also those uh, of us who live in cities that have uh, three branches of government uh, are also duly protected by the independence of uh, each of those branches and the prosecutorial function that does reside within the executive branch. Um, even beyond that, the states themselves perform a very effective and efficient check on um, any excesses of federal government power. There's a terrific article in the New York Bar Journal from January of 2018 by former uh, New York Court of Appeals Judge Albert Rosenblatt uh, detailing the ways in which uh, state constitutions, not just in New York, but all across the country, uh, have in cases found uh, an even deeper well of rights guaranteed to individual citizens uh, under those states' constitutions uh, than the Supreme Court in the United States may have found uh, pursuant to the federal constitution. So, um, you know, uh, Dave, you mentioned uh, challenges to the rule of law in this nation and concerns uh, that have been raised in the current political era. Um, and people may share or disagree uh, with those concerns. But I'll just say that um, the comparisons with other nations that have a much less uh, richly textured and long uh, history of rule of law adherence and the ideals of democracy that you and Hank have articulated, um, I, I don't think those comparisons are apt. I believe uh, we are much stronger than those nations uh, uh, against which we are on occasion being compared. Well, let me ask you about let me ask you about that, Leslie, um, because Hank talked about. Well, you know, I mentioned the fact that Obama said, you know, you you don't own allegiance to me; you owe it to the, the citizens. And and Hank indicated, you know, that's a common. Uh, statement that might be made by past presidents. Um, there was kind of, you talked about the judiciary. It was commonly understood that there was uh, a respect for the judiciary as a, as a co-equal branch of government. And this is something that has been embedded into our system and our leadership since its founding. Have uh, you teach a you, you taught a rule of law class? Has have we gotten soft? Do we come to just ex take the rule of law for granted, Leslie? Well, you know, I would take an opposite point of view, Dave. I feel like there's a growing uh, appreciation for the rule of law um, as not just being for lawyers, uh, as not just being a topic that lawyers and judges talk about among ourselves but really as um, a concept that is fundamental to our social contract that is embraced much more broadly. Um, I'm hearing uh, 
frequently now about um, bringing rule of law concepts into uh, not just law school curricula, but college curricula, high school curricula, and even um, elementary school curricula, how to convey this important concept across the board uh, so that the uh, entire electorate and the entire general public understands uh, what it means, how fundamental it is to uh, our equality, our opportunity, uh, investment in our economy, uh, a positive climate for uh, business, uh, citizen engagement, and that people are really learning where the levers of the rule of law are for themselves. Hank, do you think we've, we're taking the rule of law for granted here in our country? You know, that's uh, a prescient question. Ronald Reagan famously said that freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We don't pass it on to our children in our bloodstream. It has to be fought for, protected, and handed on to them every generation. And uh, when you say, are we taking the rule of law for granted, I think that's something we should all reflect deeply on, because if we aren't, as a profession, promoting the rule of law, talking about the rule of law, um, um, instructing our colleagues, our clients, our, the citizenry about the rule of law, it can be forgotten, it can be lost, and it can be lost in a generation. So I think your point is excellent. I think Leslie's as well. We just need to redouble our efforts uh, through our educational system um, and in the court of public opinion to instruct and remind people of the importance of the rule of law to American society. And uh, Dave, I'll, I'll just jump back in here and say that um, there are lots of ways to convey the substance and the importance uh, of the rule of law. One of the assignments that I gave my students was to create um, a tweet storm, uh, a threaded Twitter that uh, would explain a particular uh, court ruling that had rule of law implications. Um, there's uh, pages now on Reddit, on Wikipedia um, that uh, explain what the rule of law is. Um, I think we've got a lot of powerful tools at our fingertips to really bring it to um, contemporary uh, attention and uh, give it modern currency. I think, I mean, I, obviously the power of the tweet is something that uh, we could probably have a, a whole podcast on. Um, but when you have a president that tweets uh, that the attorney general should not have been prosecuting certain congresspeople uh, that have uh, potentially committed crimes, that Twitter message has a you know a shelf life of uh, of about a day, and there's not the um, outrage uh, that you might otherwise expect. Is it is it possible that because of mediums like Twitter, et cetera, where there's so much information being provided, that we're just getting numb to some of these uh, issues? and that we're really overlooking the very fundamental foundational principles that our country is based upon that lets us, you know, have freedom of speech. What do you think? I think we're getting soft. I think we take it for granted. Um, I think we think th these institutions will have always been there to protect us, and um, we don't worry about them so much. When I served as uh, president of the, of the New York State Bar, I went to Brazil, and we met with the judiciary. And this was three years ago. All they wanted to talk about in the judiciary was the rule of law and the fact that our judges are able to act independently. And what a f to them, 
that was a, a foreign concept where they didn't have to worry about being taken off the bench or, or worse uh, or physically uh, assaulted. Um, and, you know, we talked about that, and I had great pride in our system, um, but it was not something that was really in the forefront uh, of my mind at the time like it is now. We talked a little bit about uh, rule of law in, in general proposition. What about the independence of, uh, of our judiciary? Um, why is it important that we have an independent judiciary, and how problematic is it if judges are attacked when they're ruling on, on issues that impact uh, rule of law? Leslie. Well, um, I uh, did want to respond uh, to your previous point, and then I'm uh, looking forward to taking that one head on. Um, I I think that uh, we're in a very vigorous period of marketplace of ideas. Um, I'm absolutely delighted uh, when um, the president or anyone else uh, challenges fundamental rule of law norms because uh, there then comes forth a vigorous debate and a lot of discussion about what he said, why he said it, why it affronts the rule of law, if in fact it does, uh, other examples where it may have been affronted uh, in the past, and uh, how do we as a citizenry shore it up. And I'm reminded of uh, Justice Brandeis's concurrence in uh, the Supreme Court case, Whitney versus California, where he talks about uh, the marketplace of ideas, and that the cure for bad speech is more speech. Um, so I'm, uh, I guess I take a different view about whether we've gone soft. Um, on the other hand, I take your point seriously, um, not just in Brazil, but in Turkey. There was a, uh, a dismissal of up to 2,500 judges uh, last year following a failed coup attempt against the president. Um, the independence of the judiciary is uh, one of the core fundamental tenets uh, of the rule of law. And um, the United States has really, since the post-World War II period, been at the forefront of promoting the rule of law um, in the nations all around the world. Uh, a uh, project uh, that was uh, started in the United States called the World Justice Project measures rule of law adherence in 113 countries throughout the world. We've got um, uh, the former chief judge of the Second Circuit, uh, John Walker, and many other distinguished judges going uh, all around the world to talk about the rule of law. Um, and well, maybe it's time for us to take a look uh, at our own rule of law adherence, take a look in our own mirror. That's never a bad uh, thing to do. And um, uh, well, what about our adherence to it? Uh, it is an ideal, uh, as you said, but it's also uh, in need of improvement and perfection at all times. If you look at that index that I just mentioned, uh, the United States ranks around number 18 uh, out of 113 nations for rule of law adherence. Um, and I think it's important to drill down into our areas of uh, particular weakness uh, and figure out how do we strengthen that. Hank, um, attacks on the judiciary, um, how, how much of a threat to rule of law is it when our judges that are supposed to be applying the law um, are attacked? The judiciary is not a political branch of government. We have political branches. The judiciary is not one. Judges are not there or put on the bench to promote a political agenda. They're there to decide cases based on the facts and the law. Um, they have no capacity to defend themselves 
uh, against personal tax. Judges under the canons of judicial ethics are limited in the public comments they can make. So assaults on the judiciary, verbal assaults, or any kind of an assault, but when someone goes after a judge um, based on considerations other than the merits of a case, um, that goes to the very heart of the democracy. Um, uh, it corrodes the public's faith and confidence in the integrity of the court system. The notion of judges deciding cases based on the facts and law, that's not a mirror ideal. That's not a mere aspiration. That's the living, breathing reality of the American justice system. Every day in courts throughout the nation, judges are dispensing justice fairly and from a neutral perspective. And uh, anyone, particularly a public official, who would go after a judge um, based on considerations that are irrelevant to the decision-making process jeopardizes really the heart of American justice, in my judgment. Leslie, the importance of uh, independent judiciary? It's fundamental. I completely agree with Hank. Uh, to our democracy and to rule of law adherence, um, I will say that the United States, uh, as you pointed out, Dave, uh, ranks very well uh, by that measure uh, against other nations in the world in terms of the independence of our judiciary. We're uh, uh, practically at the top of uh, uh, the rankings in that regard. And of course, we intend to keep it that way. Uh, there are contemporary uh, uh, efforts now to undermine the independence of the judiciary. And I think it's very important that not just uh, bar associations and attorneys, but uh, all individuals uh, learn about what a threat that is. And when you hear it happening, not just by a president in a tweet, but on a, a television show, uh, or uh, an opinion uh, that's expressed uh, in an op-ed uh, that people are uh, given the tools uh, to call it out for what it is, which is a threat to our democracy and uh, the things that uh, uh, our soldiers and our public servants and uh, others have fought and died for. Let me let me take that a little bit further. You know, the rule of law obviously is important to every citizen of uh, our country, um, but perhaps lawyers. Uh, are have a more integral role as officers of the court, um, as defenders of of justice. Uh, Hank, uh, what can what can or should lawyers be doing when there's a threat to the rule of law in this country? The profession as a whole, lawyers as individuals have an obligation. I would submit a sworn obligation to defend and protect the rule of law. Look, we, we live, um, as the ancient curse goes, in interesting times. Right? That's a, an ironic expression. It's intended to reflect fear and anxiety about the present or the future. And don't misunderstand what I'm saying. There are a lot of wonderful things that are happening in our world. The economy is strong. We're living longer and healthier lives. But on the other hand, there are some worrisome trends um, and whatever a person's politics are, irrelevant. We should all be concerned about the polarization of our politics. We should all be concerned about the coarsening of American discourse. Most of all, I think we should all be concerned that the public is uh, increasingly, seemingly losing faith in the confidence of our institutions to solve problems. We belong to the most influential, impactful, consequential profession in the history of the world, I believe, and no profession 
affords more opportunities to help people in need than the law. And the public desperately needs our profession and lawyers to step up, most of all, to help them understand why the rule of law has kept us free for over two centuries. Uh, There's this famous parable, great New York lawyer, United States Supreme Court Justice Robert Jackson. He was very fond of telling a story about three stonecutters in the Middle Ages, uh, describing what they did. And the first stonecutter talked about um, how he personally benefited, and he said, I make a living cutting stone. And the second stonecutter described more narrowly what he did. He said, I cut stone. But the third stonecutter had a deeper and more profound perspective. He brightened and he said, I am helping to make a cathedral. That's what lawyers do in a sense. Uh, The practice of law is more than just making a living. It's more than just litigating a case or negotiating a contract. All of us in our daily work as attorneys are helping to build a structure, a legal structure that will help us protect freedom for generations to come. Okay, Leslie, let's see if you can top that. Well, I would um, (laughs) agree with that and then encourage us to work beyond it. Uh, I believe that the legal profession has natural allies uh, in the search for the rule of law, Um, starting with journalists. uh, Free and independent and vigorous media is absolutely central uh, to rule of law adherence. Um, I have galvanized groups of artists to speak out about the rule of law and why it matters. Uh, They've paired off with lawyers and gone to public libraries all across New York City uh, to educate library visitors about um, why the vote matters and how do you register. And then the artists would work with the library patrons to draw a cartoon or a meme or a poem uh, or a rap that uh, expresses Uh, their own commitment uh, to go out and register and vote. I think we have natural allies in the clergy. Uh, Some of my students actually wrote sermons as their final uh, project uh, for the rule of law, deeply religious uh, people of the Mormon faith who decided that there was a natural connection between the tenets of their religion uh, and the rule of law. Um, I believe that scientists Uh, are a natural ally also in the search for truth and um, uh, data gathering and uh, independence of data, transparency of data. Um, uh, Technologists, for that matter, can help us ferret out fake news from real news. They can help us discern uh, patterns uh, of uh, education, of opinion, of uh, opportunity. Um, There's a uh, correlation, I'm not saying causation, but there's a strong correlation between rule of law adherence in nations and public health uh, and and, uh, other measures of um, uh, well-being. So uh, teachers, of course, another natural ally. um, And I would encourage the listeners of this podcast to think about uh, other natural allies uh, in their lives. Uh, who they might seek to invite to join advocacy for the rule of law. Right, and of course, as Hank mentioned, uh, stonecutters are a natural ally uh, as well, which I hadn't realized before. Well, uh, thank you both uh, very much for this really enlightening uh, discussion. We have a segment on Miranda warnings called Music book or movie where I ask you to share some sort of artistic performance that means something to you. It could be related to the topic or uh, not related to the topic. 
Um, Leslie, as uh, COO of the Juilliard School, I'm, I'm sure you have something wonderful to add, a musical or other performance that uh, means something to you that we can share with our listeners. Um, you know, I'm going to go uh, way back uh, in the time machine and refer you to um, a Socratic dialogue written by uh, Plato uh, 2,500 years ago. Um, it uh, is performable as a play, um, and uh, it um, uh, speaks about Socrates' um, commitment uh, to the rule of law, even though he was uh, ultimately convicted uh, of a crime under that rule of law system. Um, and uh, I won't tell you what happens because it's uh, a really wonderful read, and it's only 10 or 11 pages, uh, and it's called the Crito, C-R-I-T-O. I recommend that you take a look at Plato's Crito. C-R-I-T-O. Uh, Plato's Crito, and it relates to the rule of law, and it's 2,500 years old, and I don't know the conclusion, so uh, I'll, I'll read it with suspense. Leslie, thank you very much for appearing on Miranda Warnings. Uh, Hank Greenberg, as well, thank you very much for this uh, discussion on the rule of law. It's been a great pleasure. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Hank. Same here, Dave. Thanks for having me. This has been the New York State Bar Association's Miranda Warnings. For all things legal, and some that aren't.